Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome everyone. This is Louise Crooks, your Keys to Clarity Coach. Welcome all our listeners, healers, coaches, authors, transformational catalysts and spiritual seekers. Um, you are on Keys to Clarity Radio and as I said, I'm your host, Louise Crooks, also known as the Keys to Clarity Coach. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the show before we jump in with our guest today. Um, I, well, I'm a holistic bu- business coach and visibility strategist for folks in the healing and well-being profession, as well as a speaker, author, and of course, radio show host. Um, I'm all about helping you get the word out about what you do and sharing how you can attract your ideal clients into your community. You get to do it authentically while being prosperous and making a difference. I believe in spiritual alignment with everything you do. In living this way, we can live the lives we truly desire. I love online visibility as a way to help soul-driven business owners build their businesses, which is one of the reasons why Keys to Clarity Radio was born at the beginning of 2008. Gosh, I can't believe it's been going for that long. (laughs) Keys to Clarity Radio is here to support soul-driven business owners to success through spiritual, emotional, personal, and business growth through the expertise of the most amazing guests and leading-edge discussions. Feel free to browse the archives to find recordings of shows with guests the likes of Marsha Weeder, Addie Brown, Michael Port, Mary Allen, Michael Lozier, just to name a few. Um, and be sure to get updates about what's coming up on the show as well as ways to increase your visibility and grow your community by, visi- by visit- visiting keystoclarity.com. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to uh, just cover a couple of small details. Um, If you're excited about what you're hearing about, I'd love to encourage you to tweet or Facebook and use the hashtag KTC Radio. Um, We always like to know what kind of conversations we're having out there. Uh, We also have a chat room available, so um, come and join us on the chat room if you're um, listening live and... um, We'll uh, we'll connect with you there as well, and if you have any questions, we can, you know, pose them to our guest. Okay, so today is about um, boundless boundless abundance, breaking through scarcity beliefs, and I'm really excited to introduce our um, guest today, Dr. Lisa Van Allen. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me, Louise. Oh, it's, I'm so thrilled to have you. Uh, Lisa is one of one of my colleagues and friends that I've met through um, some events that we've attended together, and um, we've struck up conversations and had some really interesting um, chats together. So I'm delighted that you're with us today, Lisa. Well, Let me it's tell been out fun what watching is, you. Yeah, what's that? I wanted to mention when you launched your radio show in 2008 is about the time I was starting to get to know you through Twitter. Um, oh what a remarkable, goodness. what a remarkable Isn't that journey we've like, had since then. Yeah, <laughs> and we've been we've been friends on Facebook for a long time too. So it's amazing yeah. how those relationships build. Yeah, let me tell everyone a little bit about you, Lisa. So uh, Lisa is um, the author of the award-winning book Your Belief Quotient: Seven Beliefs That Sabotage or Support Your Success. And Dr. Lisa Van Allen is a nationally recognized in-demand speaker who uses humor and inspiration to drive home life-changing truths. 
It's cool that you do that, Lisa, because uh, humor mm-hmm. is certainly the way to go. <laughs> it brings a levity to all these challenges that we experience, doesn't it? Oh, you've got to laugh. It, you've got to laugh. If the you're alternative. Gonna, if you can't, <laughs> yeah, the alternative is, alternative is not so great. So let me finish uh, what I was uh, sharing with everyone. So Dr. Lisa has been called the business doctor or the biz doctor because she blends the best of psychology, business strategy, and spirituality to help entrepreneurs and executives break through belief barriers they don't even know they have. For over 20 years, Dr. Lisa has delighted and challenged audiences with her stories and expert strategies. She has an earned earned doctorate in clinical psychology, degrees in theology and music, multiple certificates in coaching, letters of appreciation from legislators and Fortune 500 companies, and makes time to travel to as many rock concerts as possible with her husband, Duke. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that last bit. <laughs> oh, I do in too. fact, didn't I see, Lisa, that you, were, you went to a concert just the other night with your husband? We did. That's Duke's biggest passion in life is 80s rock and roll. So we've only been married four years, just had our anniversary last week. And we do, we go to as many concerts as we can possibly cram in. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. (laughs) I saw a picture on Facebook and I was like, yay! (laughs) They look like they're having fun. I think the current one right now is at the Rolling Stones concert, yeah. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) fabulous. Well, I would love to for us to dive in. I know that um, a lot of folks on the call who are listening on the call are going to be interested in this idea of yeah. breaking through our scarcity beliefs because so many of us have them. Um, yeah. I know even I have them. You know, they 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 pop up every oh, now and again. Or, yeah, yeah. And do. so I think it's something we really want to examine, and it's just wonderful that you you have done that with your work, uh, Lisa, and now are able to share you know, what you found to be true um, and to guide mm. us. So I'm really excited about this call. I'm, I'm you... thrilled to be able to share this. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. I, How did you... I call um... myself a, an expert on scarcity. Um, oh, I nice. I didn't come by this material um, with any kind of doctoral program or <laughs> certification. Mm. or You know, they don't teach you this stuff. This is yeah. the stuff that you learn through challenges and, and facing the hard knocks of life and yeah. um, just a little bit of my history I've been homeless um, wow. I went through some real hard hard times um, after I ended my first marriage I was stalked for seven years by my ex-husband he's mentally ill and Goodness. I moved 29 times um, wow. people broke fast when you move that often and so, yeah. yeah, I lived in my car oh, my briefly. Goodness. I had a great job at a corporate mm-hmm. uh, place in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I was the best-dressed homeless person in San Francisco for a while. Wow. <laughs> it it shifts. I was raised, you know, in a, a middle-class, upper-middle-class upbringing. Um, mm-hmm. But to fall that far and to live um, where you really don't know where mm-hmm. the next meal or the next roof over your head is going to come from is terrifying. Then I've lived with scarcity of health. Um, After all that was over, I moved to a place where I've been safe now for 16 years. Um, Mm -hmm. But my health crashed, and so I've lived with a a scarcity of health. Um, I'm an artist in my spare time, and um, I felt the scarcity of creativity. And Mm -hmm. always, all of us who own our own businesses, we feel the scarcity of time. 
So mm, scarcity uh, yeah, gets us in definitely. a lot of places, <laughs> not just in our pocketbooks. You know, yeah. most of us feel scarcity in some place in our life at some time. We have this need yeah. for more something, right? That need for yeah. more is a hunger for more of something. And so to look for and search and, and eventually find abundance and to be able to shift that mentality into a, a place of abundance is a huge gift and it's a gift that I would love your audience and, and everyone to be able to experience. I don't think it's a permanent state of mind because we are just the way we're wired, the way our brains are my, wired. We have hunger for a reason, right? We have needs that we need to fill. But when yeah. we go beyond wanting for our basic needs and getting those filled, then it becomes a grasping kind of scarcity, and that is a um, an inextinguishable discontent. It's mm. it's impossible to feed that animal, and so yeah. also shifting into an abundance mentality helps us to be able to end that hunger cycle. It's just like someone who has this craving. Before I had a hysterectomy mm. a number of years ago, I literally craved chocolate every day. It was some kind of hormonal thing, hormonal thing I'm sure. I don't yep. crave, I still love chocolate, believe me, I, mm. and I enjoy it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> but back then, it was almost like this belief that I had to have it every day. Mm-hmm. That was gone as soon as yeah. um, my hormones were straightened out. So we have these cravings, these deep desires that go beyond what we really need. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's really fascinating. And I'm so um, um, honored that you would share your um, your story with us, Lisa, because I know how vulnerable that can be sometimes. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really powerful to hear what you've been through Um you know, and, and you know how those can create the beliefs that we have, and it doesn't even have to be that extreme for us to have those kind of beliefs no. coming coming up, does it? No, we we learn our scarcity beliefs in early childhood, and even in a normal upbringing where you have you know your basic mm-hmm. needs met, your mm-hmm. family has you know a dialogue, a, a way of dealing with issues like money, or time, yeah. or health, or whatever. And those scarcity mentalities they come um, mm-hmm. partly just. Uh, I think they're kind of wired into our DNA. We inherit mm-hmm. them from our families. I had yeah. an older aunt. I love to joke around about Aunt Millie because she was just such a, a character. But Aunt Millie grew up during the Depression, and she yeah. had this huge pantry closet that was like a walk-in closet that every woman would envy for all her shoes and clothing. This <laughs> walk-in pantry cupboard was cram-packed full of canned goods and boxed foods and all kinds of things. And some of those cans hadn't been moved in decades. You know, it was scary when she pulled anything out of that cupboard. She never threw anything away. She was really Mm -hmm. a borderline hoarder in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And that scarcity came from her experience. So sometimes it's the way we were raised and our family dynamic, and then other Mm -hmm. times it's experiences that we have that create a need to hang on to stuff out of fear that we won't mm. have enough. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing also, Lisa, that must be generational as well, passed yes. down through the generations yes. too. Um, when you oh, think yeah. about what our grandparents went through with the wars and, you know, yeah. poverty and, and uh, you know, putting trying to put food on the table, things like that. Um, oh, yeah. That, that has been transferred from generation to generation to some extent. 
I'm living in the Midwest now in the United States. I, I'm originally from the West Coast, but moving here, um, it's interesting to hear people's stories. Um, I live in a community now that in the 80s, um, most of the com- country was doing fairly well economically, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of manufacturing here um, based on agribusiness. Um, and two major employers suddenly, almost overnight, um, eliminated nearly 10,000 jobs in this small wow. community. Uh, my husband at that time, who grew up in this area, um, was building a small business of his own, and it was horrifying. I mean, he could not find customers and clients. It, yeah. The houses, you know, were put on the market. Other businesses were closed. It almost decimated mm-hmm. the community. There still are buildings that, you know, are like 200 years old but haven't mm-hmm. been used since the 80s because of the way the market was now. It's, it, they're rebounding. Right now, they're just doing extremely well. But you still mm. see the evidence. You know, there are seasons mm. of time, there are cycles that we go through economically yeah. where we have yeah. plenty and then we don't have enough. We just came through a really mm-hmm. harsh time of recession in this country. Yes, And yes. people are starting to rebound a little bit, but that's scary. When you start to rebound, how do you respond? Do you yeah. hoard and hang on to out of fear? Or here's yeah. my definition of abundance. Abundance means that there's more than enough, and that abundance flows like a river. So when we start to hoard or hang on to, we're creating Mm -hmm. roadblocks in -hmm. that flow. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just to simplify, it's almost like, you know, that um, saying of, you know, looking at the, you know, is the glass half full or half empty? Yeah. Whichever your focus is, is what you know, what's going to happen. Um yeah. it's yeah, it's just a more simplified view of what you're what you're sharing. It's really interesting, Absolutely. Lisa. Yeah. I'd love to hear what what inspired you to write the book itself, um, Lisa? Oh, I've been working with clients now for well full time as a coach and a business consultant for eight years and um mm. All, all along the way, uh, no matter how successful my clients were, because I've had startups and I've had corporate execs and I've had mm. well-established business owners work with me, and every single one of them underneath it all, when we peel back the onion layers, and anybody who's a coach mm. knows this, there's stuff. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's pockets of fear and doubt and self-loathing and all of these kinds of mm-hmm. stuff that, that make us who we are. Yeah. And as I started dealing with these clients and helping them um, figure out what are the barriers to their success. They've, they've come to a certain measure of success, but they like yes. hit this, this wall or this ceiling and don't seem to be able to break through. And they often mm-hmm. will come to me because they think it's the job or they think it's yeah. their employees or it's, it's mm-hmm. never them, right? <laughs> when they <Yeah>. come. <laughs> Some of them do have the awareness that, you know, I might be contributing to this problem. But yeah. it's funny because as we start peeling back the onion layers to really dive down to what might be at least a, a big contributor to this issue. Mm. Um, there's always a belief. Um, and so I really started paying attention to it. I wanted to write a book, and the first chapter was actually the chapter in my book on abundance. So this topic is mm-hmm. very near and dear to my heart. I started a radio show um, in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in uh, 2008, I think it was. We had devastating floods here in eastern Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. the city of Cedar Rapids where I was living at that time, the downtown area was under 19 feet of water. Hmm. And I'm a business coach. Wow. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of my clients 
watch their businesses just floating away. Oh, my goodness. It was devastating. Houses were just closed and had to be torn down. It was just, you know, two-story, three-story buildings still have flood lines on them down in the downtown area. And so I I watched the radio show. I, 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 I can so relate to that because, you know, living on the, the Jersey Shore where, where we yeah. had Sandy, you know, people are still reeling from that. So, oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, Sorry. I I got this sense that my clients needed something to inspire them and encourage their hearts. So I launched this radio show here on Blog Talk Radio called mm-hmm. Boundless Riches. And it was the, the idea that there is more than enough out there. And I'd learned that lesson the hard way and still frequently have to be retaught it. <laughs> but um, I decided to interview as many people as I could. Big names, small names, didn't matter. They needed mm-hmm. to be thought leaders in some way or another. Yeah. And there was we, we would talk about what they were doing and, and other things, but I always ended the call with questions about what's your gratitude practice? Mm. And I got the most interesting answers, and it really became a lot of the meat for Chapter 8 in my book, uh, the uh, mm-hmm. Chapter on Abundance. Um, mm-hmm. And it really helped me formulate my own gratitude practice because for years I was listing gratitude. Um, way before that, when I had gone through some depression, um, a, a pastor friend of mine had suggested that I make a gratitude list and it would help me be less mm-hmm. depressed, and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I listed gratitudes for years, but my own gratitude practice became listing five things that I'm grateful for now five things that I'm handing off mm. to God, universe, uh, Stephanie Rainbow Bell calls it her universal dream team, which I find fabulous. <laughs> but <laughs> what are you going to hand off because you know you can't carry it? What's too big mm. for you? So the five mm-hmm. things you're thankful for, the five things you're handing off, and then I love this part. This is This was just a flash of insight that has just still inspires me. Five things that you anticipate being thankful for, and you mm-hmm. state it in the present tense. So I am thankful that I am healthy and whole. For years, I stated that gratitude because I anticipated I was going to be fully whole and not struggling with. I, back then, I was struggling with systemic lupus and mm-hmm. very ill. And mm-hmm. taking 12 medications a day and watching my weight balloon and all of these issues. And in uh, a few years after that, I went into remission. I've been in remission now about six years. Um, wow. I believe a gratitude practice shifts your mindset and heals things in you that medication can't touch. Uh, yeah. I, I firmly believe in gratitude. And it's one of the things, one of the tools that truly creates a flow of abundance. You really can't stay in scarcity or be grasping or be in fear when you're truly practicing gratitude. Mm, That's beautiful. And I've had some clients do that through one of my programs, Lisa, and it's amazing to me what um, happens for them when they, they, you know, do have that daily practice in place Um, and what happens when they stop it as well. You know, it's really powerful. I have a client named Bill who uh, is a high-level executive at a company that you would recognize if I told you who it was. And he came to me just really dissatisfied with his job. He'd taken a lateral move. Um, it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. He was really frustrated. He was traveling 75% of the time. He was making great money. He had a wonderful wife, two cute little kids. You know, everything should have been good in his life. 
And as we started working together because of this dissatisfaction he had in his work, um, he was thinking about starting a business. And so we were talking about that. And then finally he starts admitting to me that he had been having regular panic attacks that were putting him in the hospital. Initially he thought he was having a heart attack. Panic attacks are incredibly painful and scary when you have a full-blown one and you think you're in cardiac arrest. Oh, yeah. He was on heavy medication. (laughs) You know, okay. Yeah. Well, Bill was on medication and and was just dealing with this shame. You know, I shouldn't be doing Mm. this. I should have at least some joy in my life because I do have a lot good. Well, we talked about instituting a gratitude practice. And between that Mm. and some other work that Bill did with other beliefs, um, he overcame his panic attacks. He doesn't have them anymore. He doesn't take the medication anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. It was so liberating for him because I really believe the panic was being induced just because his life. I love what you said earlier in your introduction about help, helping people align themselves with their spiritual, personal and spiritual values. Everything mm-hmm. that we do, our work, our families, our volunteer activities, mm-hmm. they need to be in alignment, and that wasn't true with Bill. And when yeah. that got in alignment, and gratitude was one of the things that created that ability to create that alignment. And he mm-hmm. found freedom to go on and do the thing that he really wanted to do and uh, be the man he wanted wow. to be. Wow. Fabulous. It makes yeah. all the difference in the world, doesn't it? It does. Very there cool. Is a Very cool. Trait. In addition to gratitude, that I have to jump in here. There's two mm. tools, I believe, mm. that mm. are absolutely essential to turn on the flow of abundance. Gratitude is the first one because when you you Mm -hmm. let those roadblocks happen and and stop the flow of abundance or or turn that flow into a trickle, gratitude Mm -hmm. will help remove those roadblocks and increase the flow. But there's another one that will also do that, and that's Mm -hmm. the the trait of humility. And it's a lot Mm -hmm. like gratitude, but it's a little different spin. Because if you think about abundance, and abundance when it's weakened or damaged, it becomes scarcity, our, our, mm-hmm. our beliefs about abundance. But yes. if we swing too far, the pendulum swings way over in the other direction from scarcity, mm-hmm. it becomes entitlement. Mm. And there's an, a mindset that a lot of folks struggle with of, I deserve this, I should have this. Um, yeah, I have a I, real problem with that idea of oh, desert, you know deserving yeah. and and especially when people use that in their marketing, you know, charge what you deserve. Yeah. You know that oh, that yeah. irks me somehow. I've still, I haven't quite <laughs> pinned it down as to why, but maybe you can shed some light on that, Lisa. <laughs> oh, well, I was going through a hard time recently, and my mom went, "This shouldn't be happening to you," and it just kind mm. of there was a check in my spirit of, why not? You know, I'm not mm. all that. <laughs> yeah. And it hit me that, okay, that's, that's, and that was her mother's love, you know, wanting to protect mm-hmm. me from going through a hard time. But but there is a sense of entitlement there. This shouldn't be mm. happening to me. The world, the yeah. universe, other people owe me more. Mm. Mm-hmm. And see, the, the trait of humility says, nobody owes me anything. Mm-hmm. I am and they are. And also, I owe so much. Humility Mm -hmm. says, thank you, God, for the gifts that you've given me. Thank you to all the people who've contributed to bring me where I am now. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that I have, there's nothing that I am now that I've done all by myself. Yeah. You wouldn't exist if it weren't for your parents, right? So we all owe something somewhere. Even if our parents were dirtbags, 
We yeah. wouldn't be breathing if they yeah. hadn't brought us into this world. So there's nothing that we've done completely on our own. Humility yeah. says that I feel a sense of graciousness and expansiveness that I don't owe or own anything. It's that wonderful non-attachment uh, belief that, that Buddhists teach so well that, you know what, things don't hold me here, and I'm not yeah. going to hang on to them, and they don't belong to me. They just are, and I just am. Yeah. And that yeah. spirit of humility, when you pair it with gratitude, creates this wonderful flow of abundance because when we're not hanging on, it flows. It's this weird paradox. We think that we yeah, need it's to have so we hang on an to attachment, it. isn't it? Yeah, an attachment isn't to it? the outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting as well because that that um what you said earlier about the you know, why is this happening to me? You know, it's um mm-hmm. that, it's that idea of, well, what makes me better than someone else? You know, what makes me yeah. It's it's there's an ego piece in there, isn't yes, there it as is. well? That that's popping in there too, Lisa. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely. That's and I know really people look around and they think there's a certain generation that that struggles with entitlement more than others, and that might be true. Yeah. I think there is um, there there has been a generation that they were raised with more. You know, yeah. uh, people who went without and then achieved mm-hmm. a certain level of success, they didn't want their kids to experience that void. And so they raised their children yeah. with more and raised children well, that's with quite the sense of, of... That's quite typical of the generation that's coming through now, isn't it? You know, absolutely. And, and, the, and the challenges they're now facing because things aren't looking quite the way that they expected. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think rather than just blaming one generation, I think we need to look at ourselves. If we're triggered yes. by something and we look at somebody and go, oh, gosh, they're so entitled, why is mm. that button coming up? And what is it in mm. me that's reacting to that? Why am I yeah. looking at that and saying, they're so entitled? Well, what am I hanging on to? It's a question mm-hmm. I love to turn around, kind of like what um, Byron Katie does in her work. If I turn it around, if mm-hmm. I'm reacting to them, you know, they're yeah. so entitled. <laughs> well, turn it around. How am I entitled? What am I hanging on to? Am I hanging on to my right to being treated in a certain way? Am I here's one idea. Am I hanging on to my right for them to be grateful for what I'm doing for them? <laughs> yeah. Know, it, it's kind of that mirror, it's, isn't it? It's, isn't it's, there's it? a mirror that's happening in, in, in that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Right. T- tell me, Lisa, um, I know you have, a, a, you know, you talked about abundance. Do you have a sense yeah. of a, a definition of, of what that is? For me, abundance Can you define is more, that? Yeah. Abundance is more than enough. It means mm-hmm. that at the end of the month, I have everything I need to take care of every responsibility I have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love telling the story about when I was really broke, right after I started my coaching practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I was foolish. I, I left uh, a paying job. I had been coaching, you know, kind of part-time, mostly, mostly pro bono work. I had one paying client. I decided, you know what, I'm going to just do it. Now, I had a, mm-hmm. a private practice before as a psychologist. I knew how to run a business. Mm-hmm. But I really, you know, people tell you, you really want to have, you know, five, seven, ten clients before you go full time. Yeah. I just yeah. ditched my day job and jumped in. And you burned your time. bridges. I did. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the kind of person that needs to do that. <laughs> I don't recommend it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But it did put me in a place where things were really tight for a while. And there was a day where I um, had six dollars, 
I mm-hmm. had some money in the bank, but I had written checks to pay bills, and so everything in the bank was kind of dedicated to cover those checks. I mm-hmm. burned through my savings to launch my coaching practice. Um, yeah. I had $6 in my purse. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving down to actually an ICF, our local ICF chapter meeting, and mm-hmm. uh, that's International Coach Federation for non-coaches mm-hmm. um, who are listening. But I decided to go ahead and go because I had a full tank of gas. And it always is so encouraging when I get around my colleagues. And so mm-hmm. I'm driving down, and it, it was about a, a 30, 40-minute drive for me to get to the meeting. And it, I started, you know, I talk out loud in the car. <laughs> and I was... <laughs> talking out loud and I was praying of, you know, God, please give me another client because I am so broke and I'm not sure what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. Mm-hmm. And I got this this idea, this, this, I don't know, leading to open up my wallet and lay the $6 on the seat of the car next to me. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And I just looked at it and I prayed. I asked God to bless every one of those dollars. Mm-hmm. And it hit me just as I was doing that that I had more than enough. There's an interesting, weird thing about abundance. It has nothing to do with wealth. It yeah. has all, everything to do with riches. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that, that our concept about money and having enough can get really skewed. How much is enough? Enough yeah. is that my responsibilities have been taken care of and that I have food in my belly, I have a roof over my head. In this mm-hmm. particular situation, I had gas in my car. I even had dog food because I had a little mm-hmm. dog, still have him. In that moment, all I had was $6, but I had more than yeah. enough because all my bills were paid. Mm-hmm. And it was just this huge flash of insight that I could have had $6,000 in my checking account, and I wouldn't be any better off than I was in that moment. Right. That was just like an astounding insight to me. So when mm-hmm. I got to the meeting, it hit me. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do something with this $6. I don't need mm-hmm. it. I have more than enough. Now, it sounds crazy. If all you've got is mm-hmm. $6, then go and spend <laughs> it, right? But I got to the meeting, and you, it's a dinner meeting that, that our local chapter always sits down over a meal during their, mm-hmm. their meetings. And it was like, okay, I've already eaten dinner. I don't need to eat, but I'm going to get a cup of tea. And this is a, a restaurant that does Starbucks. And so I'm going to yeah. order a small cup of chai, and I'm going to mm-hmm. buy a cup of tea for somebody else. And it just hit me. It's like, I'm going to have my tea and enjoy the meeting and share a cup of tea with somebody else and see what happens. It was an experiment. And so I went on a web and I I sat down and this woman sat down next to me and we started talking and the waiter came by and I said, I'm going to have a cup of tea. And I turned to my friend and I said, can I get you a cup of tea? And she went, oh, yeah. Later on I found out she was even more broke than I was. She was in debt. (laughs) Now, I had no debt. Um, So I was in, in actually a better shape than she was. Mm-hmm. So the, the waiter brings our tea, we have our meeting, and they're going around the room and they're talking about, you know, things that we can do. We're trying to, you know, come up with great ideas about how to build each other's businesses. And I do a lot of speaking. And somebody said, Lisa, you really need to join the Speakers Bureau. And they're telling me all about it. And it costs $600 to join. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, right, sure. Now, remember <laughs> the six. Remember the six, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So I... I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way I can. And they're just really pushing me. And, and this group is great about accountability. When are you going to do it? You know it's a good thing for your business. When are you going to do it? And I wasn't telling them how broke I was. I had my pride, right? So I said, in faith, 
before the next meeting, I will join the Speakers Bureau. And they all clapped, and it was wonderful. And I thought, okay, yeah, now I'm either a liar or, God, you're going to have to take care of this one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my car on the way home, and it's my habit when I'm commuting any distance. I call my mom. It gives us a chance to chat and touch Mm -hmm. base. So I call my mom, and we're talking, and my mother is a big person of prayer. And I hope I'm not as offending anybody with my particular spiritual practice, but this is just what I do. And my mom knew how broke I was. I hadn't told her specifics, mm-hmm. but she, she has some pretty good intuition going. And she asked how things were going, and I said, I really need a client. And she said, okay, I'm going to pray. So while I'm driving, my mother's praying out loud and asking God to bless my work and asking him to multiply what I already mm-hmm. have which is exactly wow. what I had asked. It yeah. was so, I just got chills when she did it. That's I awesome. get call waiting on my phone. Somebody's trying to come in, and I'm really, I'm pretty technically savvy on the computer, but phones, I don't know what it is. I'm really a <laughs> dunce. And I said, Mom, I have to cut this call short because I have somebody coming in, and I'm going to drop the call. So, <laughs> so I got off with my mom, picked up the call, and it was a gentleman who had been watching me get this for six months. We've been in touch back and forth, and he had been on the fence the whole time about hiring me. He was a very well-established business owner. He had worked with big-name coaches. I knew Mm -hmm. all the same. Michael Gerber um, with the Mm -hmm. email. I mean, he had worked with these people. Wow. So he knew coaching, and he knew the benefits of Mm -hmm. it. And for some reason, he was watching me. Um, Mm -hmm. He read some stuff that I'd written. I used to write an article for the paper. And he said, well, I think I'm ready to pull the trigger. And he asked a few more questions, and I said, okay, are you ready to go ahead and sign up? And he went, yeah, um, why don't I just make the payment now? And I said, well, I'm driving. And he said, well, can I use your PayPal? And I went, sure. And he said, okay, here's what I've been paying for coaching. And he told me a number. Mm-hmm. And it had sixes in it. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and he said, and I think I want to commit to you, let's, let's say we're going to work six months together. Now, at that mm. point in time, the number he mentioned was three times my regular rate. Mm. And I, at that time, was only asking for three-month commitments for my clients. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who's calling me, offering me a lot more money and a commitment for six months. Mm. I almost dropped the wow. phone. It was like, <laughs> really? And then to add I'm surprised you didn't have an accident there, the, Lisa. Oh, my gosh. I got home, and the money is in my bank. I mean, wow. I, before I even got home, the money was there. Holy moly. To, to notice the universe's sense of humor here, I get, mm-hmm. I open my mail the next day, and I get a check from an old account, a uh, stock type of an account that I used to have from a former employer, and it was for 66 cents. <laughs> <laughs> And I just laughed out loud. It was like, wow. okay, okay, I get it. I get it. There is more than enough. And for yeah. me, that's the story of the sixes because, you know what, I yeah. asked for multiples of sixes to come into my life. Yeah. And they did. Wow. Now, not, not everybody's going to have that weird kind of a sound. God kind of has to hit me with a baseball bat for me to kind of learn things. So well, he kept those, giving it's me It's all those kind of coincidences, isn't it, that we have in our lives, you know, it's they they aren't you know there's no such thing as coincidence we're no, we're attracting that to ourselves yeah yeah and to and watch Lisa, you, and you, learn those lessons yeah. yeah and you talk about um, the continuum of abundance in your in your book yeah. can you 
uh, can you say a little bit about what that means, the continuum of abundance? Yeah, and I kind of referred to it earlier in this, this conversation, but just to give you all a, a better picture, um, mm. as I talk about the beliefs in my book, there's seven beliefs that I really believe mm. people need to look at, wrestle with, uh, improve on in order to move from sabotage to success. Mm. And one of those basic beliefs is abundance. And so every belief has like dead center, the best place to be, the the, mm. the sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you consider like a pendulum or a continuum, when that mm. belief has been damaged in any way, yeah. um, then we swing into the weaker belief. So for abundance... Mm-hmm. We often will swing into scarcity mm-hmm. and be there for a while, and we might bounce back and forth. If you're like me, that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm living in abundance, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, some you know, big bill comes in, and it's like, oh yeah. boy, scarcity <laughs> hits me, right? Yeah, I other, relate. <laughs> you, you can get it. Yeah, the other end of the pendulum is when we swing past scarcity through abundance and go all the way to the other side, and we end up in entitlement. And so there's this pendulum that swings back and forth, and I believe we do it all the time. You don't live in abundance. None of us are perfect, right? And so we are going to experience all three of these these concepts, these experiences, um, Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Just recently I I was falsely accused of something, and it, it hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. And that was when my the hardship I mentioned earlier, and my mom, when I was on the mm-hmm. phone with her, she went, nobody should be treating you this way. And I had this thought of, I don't know that they should treat me this way, but I don't know that I can say nobody should ever, um, mm-hmm. or how can they, or, you know, I don't deserve this. Those kinds of mm-hmm. feelings, when we start feeling that way, um, is entitlement. Another yeah. weird thing that happened recently is, is I was looking for new eyeglasses, and I wanted tortoiseshell frames you know i get photographed Mm -hmm. a lot these days because of speaking all the time and um, Mm -hmm. i'm really working hard at getting comfortable with video (laughs) and i have a body that was made for radio (laughs) so (laughs) i I just was really hoping that tortoiseshell frames would help me at least be less concerned about my hip size and be Mm -hmm. more focused on yeah my face looks okay at stylers it told me you know tortoiseshell is your kind of frame I have a very nice pair of black and gold frames that I wear that I look good in. But just this little hint that I would look good in tortoiseshell all of a sudden sent me in a journey, and I spent an entire day trying on eyeglass frames. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of time to waste. I have other things that I would rather be doing. There's other good that I was put on this planet to do. For me to spend... Six hours trying on eyeglasses is insane. Yeah. And yet this little sense of entitlement that I should look better, that I need more. And it was both, it was weird. I was experiencing both scarcity and entitlement at the same time. And you can't. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm still wearing those black and gold frames, and I think they look good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make tortoiseshell frames that will work with my bifocal lenses. So... <laughs> Anybody out there that's designing frames, let me know. <laughs> but just to not have to need or want more mm-hmm. or different or better, but yeah. to live right smack dab in that flow of abundance where it, accepting where you are and accepting what you have with joy, receiving yeah. it and recognizing that you know it's there because you didn't do anything, it just is. 
Yeah, I, I learned that lesson myself, uh, Lisa, with, um, you know, I've always had an appreciation for aesthetic um, beauty, you know, um, mm. beautiful things, art pieces. Yeah. Um, my my favorite is, um, you know, functional art um, in particular, oh, yeah. you know, where it's a beautiful lamp or, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, I... I I realized at one point that I couldn't acquire everything that I loved. <laughs> yeah. You know, everything that I could see that I thought was so beautiful and felt like I needed to have, you know, it yep. was um, this recognition that something could be beautiful and it could be just left there and be appreciated for its beauty and I could move on. You know, that was quite an interesting realization for me. So I just wanted That's to share that. That's a wonderful example. Yeah, it's almost like a flower garden, you know. If you, you can yeah, cut the things exactly. and bring them in the house, but they don't last, you know. Exactly. To enjoy exactly. them where they are and art, you know. Well, I do that. Yeah. This is going to be a crazy example, but I love books. And I buy yeah. books. And I'm working at buying more Kindle books, but... I like mm-hmm. hard copy. I like to touch the paper and scribble on the page, and I just yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I can become almost a hoarder of books, and so I go through cycles <laughs> where I have to limit. I've told myself I have two big bookcases in my office, and I have to just have that many books. If I have more than that, mm-hmm. then I have to let some go. And yeah. it, I came to the conclusion a while back. You know what? I can donate them to my library or someplace else, someplace that will put them to use. And if I really need to, I can go visit them. <laughs> so it was my way of finding the freedom to let go of these. Because, you know, when I was a single woman, books were my best friends. <laughs> and so, yes. yeah, I don't need to hang on to this stuff. But clothing yeah. in my closet, I mean, I love clothes. I love I, I mm. sew and, and do art jackets, and I like texture and I love the feel of fabric. My grandmother was a tailor and so I'd inherited this love for thread and mm-hmm. I realized, you know, I don't have to have a packed closet. I don't have to have piles of fabric. Um yeah. I can go visit it. I can look at it on somebody else and admire it and not need <laughs> to own it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> that example of the artwork. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Lisa, before we continue, I just want to let everyone know that, um, you know, where they can get a copy of your book. And then also I know you've got a lovely yeah. little gift that you want to share as well. I do. So is your book available on Amazon, Lisa? It is on Amazon. And then if you yeah. want to go to my website, which is um, uh, drlisavanallen.com, it's drlisavanallen.com mm-hmm. or vanallencoaching.com. Either will get you mm-hmm. there. Um, okay. You can get the books there. You can also get the free offers. So if you go to... Yeah, and I've actually Dr. got a, a link here for that, um, oh, for the, the free offer. Yeah, so um, it's yeah. Um, um, http colon, colon, sorry, colon forward slash forward slash budurl.com, B-U-D-U-R-L.com forward slash boundless riches. Boundless Wonderful. riches. So, so budurl.com forward slash boundless riches, and that will give you Lisa's um, wonderful workbook that goes along with yeah. the with the book. Um, is that right, Lisa? Do you want to say a little yeah, bit more about it? Yeah, the workbook, the free offer is um, actually an excerpt from my book. So if you like it mm. and feel like it's a great taste, then you can go to my website and, and pick up the whole book. But I wanted okay. to give you this chapter. So. Uh, Most of the chapter on abundance is in the free Mm -hmm. offer, and it also contains 
exercises because I think this is something we have to work on on a regular basis. And yeah. so there's both a, some teaching about the universal laws of abundance mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then exercises to make that more of a reality in your life. Right. Absolutely. Can you say a little bit about the um, uh, universal laws of abundance? Oh, Lisa? yeah. Um, I'd love to hear that. And particularly, I know we, we, we kind of touched on the law of attraction in a sense, you know, with what we were talking yeah. about earlier with the sixes, the sixes and, you know, the, yeah. the um, um, uh, so-called coincidences. Perhaps you want to share yep. a little bit about that. I know they tie together. Well, I, I love the law of attraction, but I, I hesitate to talk about it much because I think it's been so overdone. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and there's been such bad teaching about it. But yeah. I'd love to share with your audience just my spin on it. Being a, a psychologist, um, I I love looking at how our brains are wired and how it works. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your audience is advanced enough that they know some of this stuff. But your brain has an area that works to filter out excessive data that comes in at you. Um, Your brain is wired to pick up on everything, color, sound, words, everything that comes at you, comes at thousands and thousands of bits of data come at you at once. And your brain filters that stuff and only lets in, lets you pay attention to stuff that's meaningful to you or stuff that's Mm -hmm. useful to you. If you didn't have this filter, you'd go insane. Your, Your skin would just be on fire from every since right now if you stop and think about it like right now I'm wearing yoga pants I apologize I didn't dress yeah. for this but <laughs> I wear yoga pants and I can feel that that texture against my skin um, mm-hmm. I can feel the slippers on my toes and, and how wonderfully soft and plush you know mm-hmm. normally I don't no, notice it while we've been talking I hadn't thought about my yoga pants during my entire phone call right but right. I. Now that it's on my radar, I'm paying attention to it. Now I really would rather mm-hmm. not be thinking about yoga pants and I get back mm-hmm. to <laughs> the way our brains work. And that's why we have this system in place in our brain. It helps us filter things out. Well, the law of attraction, when you put it into practice, you are able to identify the things that you really want to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I'm a certified passion test facilitator and I love the way this works. When you are in tuned with what your top five passions are, the things that you really want to be happening in your life, the things that you really want to be mm-hmm. doing with your life. Mm-hmm. You're focusing and making choices to increase the incidence of these things in your life. And mm-hmm. so you broaden those filters. You tell your brain, this is what I want to pay attention to. So the law of attraction isn't some kind of magic fairy dust that all of a sudden yeah. makes things appear in your life. That's a misconception. Things don't just mm-hmm. suddenly appear. Here's mm-hmm. the way I explain this to people. When Duke and I first got married, he needed a new car. He he sells insurance and investments, so his car needs to look good. And so we went and looked all over the place, and he finally found a car he decided he liked, and it's a it's a beautiful model, but I hadn't seen that particular model yet, and it was in a color, a beautiful deep wine red color that I hadn't noticed mm-hmm. on the streets before. And mm-hmm. when he bought it, I thought, Oh great. When we when I drive this car to the store, I won't have mm-hmm. any trouble finding it in the parking lot because it's so <laughs> unique, right? Because I go in a store and if I'm there for more than a half an hour, I am lost in the parking lot. I'm one of those people. Um <laughs> the next day after we got home with this beautiful car, 
I drove it to a, a fairly large like department like store and mm-hmm. parts went in. I was only in there for 15 minutes. And I mm-hmm. came back out and I looked around and guess what? There were six cars just like Dukes. Now we live in a pretty <laughs> small town. Six. I'm wandering around that parking lot thinking, okay, which one has his license? Because his name is on his license plate. It's like, <laughs> there it is. But all of a sudden now I'm noticing all of these deep wine red colored cars, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's on my radar. That's how yeah. the law of attraction works. In that yeah. When we apply that to abundance, if I want to be finding ways to increase something in my life, what I need to do is put my attention on it. What we put our mm-hmm. attention on grows stronger. Mm-hmm. So every time I'm faced with a choice, a decision, or opportunity, I choose in favor of that passion and I put my attention on it. The law of attraction does not magically dump it in my life. My brain mm-hmm. starts paying attention to those mm-hmm. opportunities, those choices, those decisions. And I have to make them and step towards them to make them a reality in my life. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I just think it works. So well when we're clear on it. There's been a lot yeah. of people, oh, the law of attraction doesn't work, it's a fairy tale, or, you know, the other end of the spectrum, it's all this magic woo-woo stuff, and it's not. Mm. It's how your brain was wired to work. Yeah. There's another law that's very close to the law of attraction, and it's the law of void and fulfillment. And I love this universal law because when we make space, it gets filled back up again. Mm-hmm. So if we want more or something different, we need to make space in our lives. Right. There's this wonderful law in the universe that says that when I make room, more comes. Remember I talked mm-hmm. about the flow of abundance being like a river, and when it's all clogged up with stuff like tree branches and refrigerators and old tires, mm-hmm. that flow gets disrupted. and doesn't go where the river was intended to go, Right. When we have a, too much stuff clogging up our lives, I mentioned my own closet, too packed with clothes that I don't even wear, then yeah. I need to go through and get rid of the stuff that I don't want, don't use, don't need, and make space. And this mm. has been true. My, as, I, as my weight has gone up and down and back up and back down again, <laughs> mm-hmm. I get rid of the clothes that I don't, can't use anymore, don't want, whatever, and let go of them. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is inevitably my closet magically fills up again. <laughs> and that's the way abundance works, the flow. And I love telling a quick story. Do I have time to tell a real quick story? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a, client, had a client named Sarah, and Sarah's a single mom. She had a mm-hmm. job as a paralegal at a law firm, and she was broke. Mm-hmm. And she had a car that was older than, oh, I don't know, older than dirt. And it was overheating very easily, and it was coughing and dying, and and it's very cold weather where I live, and she's a a local client. She was driving this car to work and praying, I need a new car. This car is going to die. And we had talked about it and talked about how she could, you know, improve her situation and try to get a car, but it was really out of her her ability at that point in time. She pulls into this parking lot, and the the car literally coughs and dies and a billow of smoke comes out of it just as she's pulling into a parking place at a law firm. Mm -hmm. She gets out of her car and she pulls the hood up to try to see, you know, she doesn't know cars, she doesn't even know what she's looking at. This man walks up to her and she says, he says, "Um, 
do I know you? We we both work here. And, and she said, yeah, and she says her name, and they introduce themselves. And what's really interesting is just the day before, kind of jumped to the punchline before I told important details in the story. I'm a really bad joke teller. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the day before, she had done something that I had challenged her to do, mm-hmm. and that was clean out her garage. I said, if you want a new car, maybe what we need to do is create space for that car. Now, she couldn't get rid of the car she had, but she could make room in her garage. So she cleaned out everything out of her garage, got rid of the stuff she didn't need, and made a place for a nicer, newer car, a home for that car. So when she drives into this parking lot at her law firm, and the car just uh, dies right there, this gentleman that she kind of recognized, it was a large law firm, and she kind of knew who he was, but they had never talked before. And he walks up to her, and he looks under the hood, and she goes, do you know anything about cars? And he said, yeah, in fact, I do. And she goes, oh, I'm so glad. I don't know what to do, and I, don't, I can't afford the mechanic, and I have to have a car to get here and to get my kid to his you know, school and dental appointments, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And she almost is in tears by now. And he goes, well, I kind of knew what was going on with you. I'm friends with a friend of yours. And I asked about you, and he, she went, she was wondering, okay, is this a stalker? <laughs> and he said, I, I asked about you because I figured you probably needed a new car. Mm. And she went, yeah. And he goes, well, I'm part of a group. And he said, it's, it's mostly church people that have done this. So we, we all get together because we love cars. And mm-hmm. we fix up used cars, and we give them to single moms. Oh, my gosh. And she's thinking, Where's the punchline? Yeah, <laughs> wow. She doesn't go to his church. In fact, she's not even yeah. the same denomination that he is. Yeah. And he says, all I need you to do is come with me after work just to mm-hmm. fill out a little bit of paperwork because we're kind of keeping track of who we're giving mm-hmm. the cars to just for our own numbers because we're grant funded. Yeah. yeah. And he said, it, it's a well-lit place. <laughs> he said, I'm not taking you anywhere scary. <laughs> so after work, she follows him to this place. It's a well-lit office. It's not even at a church. It's downtown in mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he has her fill out some paperwork, and he hands her keys to wow. a late model Ford Taurus wow. with all the bells and whistles. Wow. CD changer, sunroof, a heater that works, which is not something she had before. And she wow. drives home with a Taurus into her nice, clean garage. That's amazing. What a beautiful story. What what she learned is that when she made room for more, Mm -hmm. it showed up. And I I just challenge my clients and and the people I share that story with of, you know, what in your life are you hanging on to that isn't Mm -hmm. serving you? Where do you need to make space? Where do you want abundance to show up? Because scarcity and entitlement makes you try to hang on to stuff even beliefs about yourself, even attitudes time. You know, we hang into our time because it's hard. You can't replace time. That's one of the resources yeah. that I, I tend to hang on to because it is a limited resource. But yeah. you know what? When I open up my hands and I say here <laughs> and I let go of stuff, of time, of fear, of all of that, mm-hmm. then what I really need and what I really want shows up because I'm mm-hmm. choosing in favor of the passions of my heart. Yeah, beautiful, Lisa. I think that's a perfect place, um, you know, to 
for us to um, start wrapping up. Uh, it, it's a beautiful, um, you know, um, just so that clarity of, of um, you know, where we put our attention and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, the space that we can create for ourselves. It's a, that's really wonderful. I'd love to um, just uh, remind our listeners, uh, Lisa, of uh, where to find your book, which is called mm-hmm. Your Belief Quotient, Seven Beliefs That Sabotage or Support Your Success. Um, yes. what's, your, what's your website address again? DrLisaVanAllen.com, D-R-L-I-S-A-V-A-N-A-L-L-E-N.com. Beautiful, com. And then you have this beautiful... Um, free gift that you're offering to our listeners, yes. which is just fabulous. And that's the one of the chapters of the book called Boundless Riches, the Seven Universal Laws of Abundance Workbook, um, which is um, just a wonderful thing to have, I think, especially with everything we're talking about in terms of uh, universal laws. And then you said you had yes. some exercises in there too. So I'd encourage folks mm-hmm. to, to get that. And you can get that at budurl.com, B-U-D-U-R-L.com forward slash boundless riches and um get a taste of of lisa's book so um awesome. i think that would be wonderful if you have um one other thing i want to just add before i ask you lisa for your pearl of wisdom that you'd like to leave us with is um for folks out there who um you know part of this uh, this experience that we've been talking about with Lisa is also really um, tapping into um, knowing yourself really well and really getting yeah. clear on, on how you align yourself with with your desires and what you want to bring into your life. Um, and I wrote an ebook called Authenticity is the Path to Peace, Prosperity and Happiness. And I'd love to share that with everyone listening as well. So you can find that at budurl.com. That's budurl.com forward slash authenticity ebook. Authenticity mm. ebook. And I have to say, it, it felt like it came, Great from, offer. it came from a divine intervention, I think, when I read it sometimes. Mm. I think, did I write that? <laughs> Where did that come from? Where did that come from? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think they, it ties in beautifully. But Lisa, um, it's been such a joy having you on the show, and I'd love for you to just wrap mm. wrap it up for us with a a pearl of wisdom to leave us with. Sure, if you will. Well, when you think about what abundance is, just remember there is more than enough. Plenty of time, money, health, space, energy, wisdom, creativity, more than any resource you need. And abundance is the knowledge that you can give it all away and there will still be enough for yourself. You don't have to hold anything. It's such a free place to live, right dead center in abundance. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, Lisa. It's been an absolute pleasure and, and it's been really interesting hearing your um, different perspectives on this topic and, and I know that our listeners have probably taken away some beautiful gems. I know that I'm going to mm. start digging into that daily exercise of giving thanks and um, uh, you oh, know, gratitude. Yeah. Um, I know it works. Great season for <laughs> <So>. that. <laughs> What's that? It's a great season to, to start a gratitude That's practice true. if you don't have one That's already. That's very true. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. I know it works. So it's just really about creating the space to do it. So um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I uh, encourage you to go and get Lisa, uh, Lisa's um, uh, chapter of her book, if not her book itself. And i um, hoping to talk to you all again very soon. Mm-hmm. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Goodbye.